There you go, Brian. There it is. First one of the year, there buddy. You You're welcome. I know he's not allowed to drink so, at work anymore, but, yeah, you know, maybe sneak it in. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast. I got my license back, back behind the wheel, put the drugs down, I'm able to drive again. I don't need my DD, but he is here with me anyway. Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing this evening? Howdy, howdy. You know, I miss driving. <laughs> it's a power trip. Total power trip. But it's it's good to be here, even if it's just as a passenger, along for the ride. Fair enough. But uh, one for one last ride, we're gonna go to uh, to Hard Knocks for the last time this preseason. Enjoy the event, cause it's not a show. I can still see Holmgren down there going, no, yeah. Okay, so the, the rumor is true. We just traded you. The best place to be is when expectations are high. And it starts with training camp. Hard Knocks review. Final one of the season, Neil. I gotta say, I've watched every season of Hard Knocks. This is far and away the best one. Easily. 14th it's, year, they got it's it. It's been very enjoyable. Hard Knocks, of course, also known as Todd Haley and Friends. We'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah, this has been, it's been a great... You never would have guessed it. You take the 0-16 team, and it somehow becomes the uh, the most compelling television you could have imagined. But it was uh, a, good, a lot of drama, a lot of stories to tell this season. Uh, the, the last episode of the year is always a focus on the bubble, guys. Always. Because that's what week four is in the NFL preseason. It's the it's the look at the guys who are on the edge of making the team, but you're not quite sure if they can or not. And then the the stories that uh that we were going to to follow the entire time, like Juice and uh Nate Orchard and Carl Nassib, all those guys. So a lot of it was focused in on those bubble guys this week. You didn't see a lot you saw no Terod Taylor. And then uh, it, it it lost a little bit of luster for me. I don't know about you. How did you feel about this week's episode with the, the bubble guys being the focus? I mean, like you said, they do that every year because it's they have to do the human side of football. So that's the that's kind of the whole finale every time. And yeah, without some of the stars, it did sort of lose some of its luster, mostly because. You kind of know how it ends if you're plugged into just right, the, the whole spoilers. thing. Yeah, because like for us in our industry, we can't ignore what happens on cut day because we don't want to spoil hard knocks. So I wish, yeah, I kinda, wish kind of ruin the show. Yeah, that so. just isn't doable. It's not. It's not feasible to just ignore cut down day because you don't want to have hard knocks spoiled. It, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. <laughs> And I will say that the only moment that really got to me of the bubble guys they focused in on was uh, when Broby was out there on the field and he threw the otherwise meaningless touchdown in that game and his girlfriend just loses it in the stands. It's just completely a wreck and he's jacked and he's like going to save the ball and frame it. Like It's game four of the preseason. It fair, is the game that means I would do, less I would than anything. I would probably do the same thing and I think you would too. 
Yes, exactly. So I, I really and, and it's just a reminder. Like, taking that ball, that, that's going on my mantle. Ha <laughs> ha, that's mine. I'm going to point it out every time someone comes to my house. Forever. To all of us, we're like, yeah, game four, it means absolutely nothing. It's crap. To them, it means everything. So it, it it's just a nice reminder of that to see that every year. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to note, too, was do you ever remember where none of the bubble guys made it? Or is this the first time ever? No. No, because literally, and it's, it's, they set it up specifically that way too, where, like, they have the competition, where they had, uh, Nate Orchard and Carl Nassib. You knew that those two guys were competing with each other for the last DN spot. Would they keep one or both? They decided just to keep Nassib, and then after waivers cleared, they got an opportunity to get a better player, so they cut Nassib too. So it just kind of worked out. That, uh, for once, Hard Knocks couldn't foreshadow what was coming. Yeah, and since it's, everybody's probably already seen it by now, Nassib did get another, uh, opportunity in Tampa Bay. So, good work, good work yes. for him. I don't think anybody else did, though. I think he was the only one that I, or at least they specifically pointed out, uh, that he received another opportunity. Uh, so what happened was, Carl Nassib was claimed off of waivers. And everybody else went to free agency. Nate Orchard has already gone to Buffalo. Yeah, and I sense. think he played well. There's no Baltimore. way. I think there's no way he would not latch on to at least I think a it was, practice. I think it was Baltimore and Buffalo, and he's like he tried. Or the uh, it was Buffalo and the Jets is who it was. Buffalo and the Jets that he tried out for, and he's trying to decide who he wants to sign with. Yeah, I mean, and there you go. Like he again, I felt like he played well enough just from what I saw watching. And he's a vet too. He's it's not vet, like he was yeah. an undrafted, he, you know, rookie. I'm pretty you know? sure he was, he, a, draft it was a fourth pick year too. vet. Like he yeah. was a draft pick, I think. So it's like he. I'm, well, yeah, Nassib was their third round pick two years ago. Yeah, I mean. So that's what was surprising to me about that. As I like, I saw Carl Nassib. I was like, yeah, isn't he an established guy on the roster? I didn't realize he was on the bubble until Hard Knocks. They do have depth at that. <laughs> Shows position. how much I follow the Browns. Yeah, they do have some depth there. So it is, it is a whole, uh, it's a whole thing with them because we're gonna get into it. Apparently, I mean, what did you make of the Hugh Jackson pep talk? I guess where they handed out the stripes. Yeah, at the end when he was talking to all the players there that had survived, he was talking about how 59% of the roster had turned over from last season. Now, you expect turnover always in the NFL. Oh, yeah. That's just how it works. And especially when you go 0-16, you know, there has to be changes, right? Yeah. Wholesale oh, yeah, changes. Yeah. A lot of people It's just go. with the structure of the salary cap and the amount you have to pay different players at different positions – it's really hard to turn your roster over year in and year out. Like, it does happen, but to turn over almost 60% of it is astronomical, and it's really crazy. Just just that many new names and new faces, too. you got to try and build an entirely new culture. You have to, and that's what, what we've been watching, is them trying. You're reteaching your systems. Yeah. Well, they're trying to exercise the demons. You know, they gotta they got to do, right. do whatever they can, because you can't go out there and be 0-16 again. I mean, that's – I don't know what would happen if, if, if that happened. So it, it does make sense that uh, that there would be a lot of turnover. But like you were saying, in a salary cap sport, a 60% turnover is insanely difficult. So credit to the front office people who were able to work out the salaries because we'll see if it pans out, though. We'll see if it pans out. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> then, of course, uh, Jarvis Landry. Bless him. 
says that the team goal is to, quote, play in and win the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, he's going to say that. That's always the goal. He has to say that. I mean, it, it, it has to be. He the has goal, to say right? that. That's, that's the generic thing that you have to say. Yeah, he can't not but, say that. Exactly. But still, you're the 0-16 Cleveland Browns, Jarvis. Let's, let's ease up the Super Bowl talk a little bit. I mean, he has to say it. I, I didn't even listen to half of what he was saying because I was like, this is just what he's been trained to say. And he actually, and I'm sure he believes it. I'm sure he believes every word of it. Because why would you put yourself through that otherwise? Like, the money, sure. But, like, he looked like he was in a considerable amount of pain for a guy who hadn't played two yeah. weeks and was getting worked over with, like, a full body massage. And then, as I said, the show this season is really Todd Haley and Friends. Yes. That is that is what Hard Knocks was all year. Well, and Moose the Dog. We got more Moose, Todd Moose, Haley highlights. Let's not. Yeah, Moose, Moose the Dog. Yeah, Moose the Dog, sorry. Moose the Dog. Like, right. Of course, yeah, and let's not forget Greg Williams. No, I got a lozenge. Can't can't leave him out of the conversation. Also, also, you have no life outside of this. That, that plays on both of them. You really <laughs> yeah. have? Nope, sure don't. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that is the greatest interaction. It really sums up the NFL. It really does. Yep. That's the league. But, I mean, human drop machine Todd Haley was at it again. Of course, t- talking about it. The, the kickoff, as we mentioned last week with uh, Michael Hendricks being indicted for insider trading, getting immediately cut by the team, and then uh, that was the whole intro to the episode, and Haley coming into the office at the end of that. We don't have all the details yet, obviously, but is he going to jail? <laughs> yeah, Todd. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, we're best case scenario suspended sentence, but for what he's actually guilty of, no, he's probably going to jail. And then uh, <laughs> look on his face. First, he's talking about them playing the hardcore rap music right next to the church on Sunday morning, yeah, which is actually a fair <laughs> a fair thing, I would think. That's kind of a <laughs> these people are walking into church, they got to listen to this. Yeah, look, however, Luca Kirksey dance, and yeah. he's just watching them dance. However, no one seemed to be bothered. By the loud, like they didn't. It didn't seem yeah, like anybody. They're cared. like, "Yep, this is the dog pound." They were just like, "Yeah, we go to church next to the practice facility. Like, it's it's what happens. It's part. It's kind of like living in Wrigleyville and being shocked that there's people to watch a baseball game." And then uh, the pregame handshake with Jarvis Landry was pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, he was like, yeah, he's yeah, clearly been practicing in the good. mirror for like three uh-huh. hours before the game. That's all he was doing was just trying to figure out. Okay, it was this, and then it was two of these, and then this. Hey, you got it. <laughs> then in the middle of the uh, first quarter, Kajust, you're up. Pray to the rock gods. That might be the quote. Let's go. That might be the quote of the whole series. That was fantastic. It's, it's up there. I loved, too, him and Kajust and uh, Baker Mayfield walking down the tunnel. And they were just like, catch the ball like it's one of your rocks. Yeah. <laughs> And Baker Mayfield's like, wait, why haven't we talked about this before? Why is this just now coming? Uh, yeah, it's, it's true. He actually seemed genuinely kind of confused by it. Where he was like, wait, what? You do? Oh, why? How do I not know this? <laughs> and then, of course, going back to the, oh, look at Carl. He's so cute. <laughs> when a baby came up on the Jumbotron. Let's name him Carl. Oh, God. Fantastic. So good. Human drop machine. I mean, the man. Yes. He, the man is the a, man human is a human drop bite. machine. I look forward to watching him on ESPN. 
in a couple of years. Like a little puppy dog. I really look. I hope he keeps saying things. Nice job, you kicker. Nice job. As we've just heard. Can't wait to break that out. No, as we just heard, he's no stranger to yelling things at people. I just hope that in a few years, when he might be thinking about something else, that we get to enjoy him on ESPN and he continues to say things like that. Because what does he need the money? He's got plenty of money. So I'd love to see him on ESPN because I think he'd be absolutely hysterical. Just, just absolute drop dead, laugh out loud, funny. Better than some of the suits they they trot out there for pregame now. So like I said, that is the end of the best hard knock season I have ever seen. Gonna be hard so to top. So then, I mean, what? So what? What are you looking for for hard knocks 2019, Neil? What are you? What's your prediction for next year? Now again. Let's remind those playing the game I was going to say, we got to do the rules for this. You got to qualify. Now, technically speaking, anyone can qualify to be on Hard Knocks. All right. But anybody can volunteer for it, I should say. But if no one volunteers, which, which happened, no one ever which does. Because no one actually wants to do this. They did a couple of times when it first started, but not I mean, anymore. His, okay. So because Recently, they went, no so what happened was, yes, they went, they went through like two or three years in a row when no one would volunteer. So they set rules in place in 2013 that they had to, uh, be select or they could be selected and they were forced into it. If you have not been on hard knocks in the last 10 years, you have not made the playoffs in either of the last two seasons. And you do not have a new head coach. So, hard knocks in the last 10 years. So the last 10 years, uh, they didn't run it in 2011. There was no hard knocks that year because there was the whole labor dispute. They were worried about a strike. So because of that, they did not have hard knocks that year. And then the Bengals have actually been on it twice in the last 10 years because they were on it before they set the new rules. So only eight teams got eliminated by that. Then the playoff teams, we know the 12 teams that made the playoffs last year. We obviously don't know who's going to make the playoffs this year yet. But we can eliminate the 12 teams from last year, which actually knocks out another 10. So that leaves us with 14 teams that are technically eligible to be on hard knocks next season. Of them, I would say the two least likely to be on hard knocks are the Broncos and the Packers. Yes, because I would say that the a okay the Broncos as much as I love the Broncos, kind of boring. Uh, also, one of two things is going to happen in the Broncos this year: you're either going to the playoffs, which means you'll be ineligible, or you are not going to the playoffs, in which case Vance Joseph is automatically fired, and you will be ineligible that way. That's really the two ways yes. that that season plays out for the Broncos. That was my whole logic. Yep is last year was Vance Joseph's first year, and he was on the hot seat at the end of his first year. He's gone if they don't go to the playoffs. If they go to the playoffs, you're ineligible anyway. So it's not the Broncos. Like the Chargers, Broncos, and Packers could realistically make the yes. playoffs this year. Any of those. The, the Broncos and Chargers could win the AFC West. Broncos also Either have one. an outside Wouldn't chance wild card. Depending. Right. Depending. And, I don't want right. to be a huge over here, but depending. Exactly. The Chargers and Broncos and Chiefs are fighting probably for wild cards with the AFC South teams. Like, we talked about it all last year. Here it comes, first one of the year. The AFC playoff picture is a hashtag dumpster fire. Yep. There you go, Brian. There it is. First one of the year, there buddy. You You're welcome. I know he's not allowed to drink so, at work anymore, but, yeah, you know, maybe sneak it in. But the AFC dumpster fire playoff picture could allow any of them to get in. The Chargers... 
could and really should win the AFC West this year. Yeah. But we say that but, how many years in a row it, have we said that? It's at least five. Exactly. It's at least five. Would it shock me if the Broncos did it? No. Would it shock me if the Chiefs did it? No. Would it shock me if the Raiders yes. did it? Hell yes. yes. Oh God, I'd be floored. But I'd be picking it. my job. Any of the other three could do it. Like, but yeah, as I said, Broncos should realistically have a shot at making the playoffs. And if they don't, Vance Joseph, Vance Joseph is gone. Yeah. Either it's way, that, you're out. You already know my rant on the Packers that I go through every year. That Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers is a generational <laughs> yeah. talent. Mike McCarthy can't coach. If the Bears had Aaron Rodgers, okay, won two Super Bowls. the amount of garbage that we would hear for the Bears never winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers would be astronomical. The outrage that the city of Chicago would have to have that guy and put nothing around him yeah. Would just be no, to fire McCarthy the head coach every year. To survive in that market, he'd have been gone like three years ago, and he's on a pedestal. And I don't get they'd it. Be on their fourth coach if they hadn't won uh, two if Super Bowls. If the Packers Bowls don't make somebody. the playoffs this year, that would be the second straight season. Uh, and then technically they would qualify for it. But as I said, you now you no longer have Ted Thompson, so it's a new GM who's been willing to make moves. And you've got Mike McCarthy, who has been there since 2006. He's the third longest tenured coach in the NFL. Do you know who the others are? Uh, let's see. Mike Tomlin and no. uh, uh, Belichick, I would think. It's Belichick and Marvin Lewis. Damn. Oh, that's right. The, Simps- the Cincinnati train wreck that just turns over. Uh, I, how can I forget? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Now, le- now here. so Belichick, we know what he's done, right? Yeah. Yeah, Five Super Bowls, eight AFC titles. Right. Hall of Fame. Mike McCarthy, in 12 seasons as Packers head coach, has been to the playoffs nine times. They have one NFC title win and one championship the same year. And that was the year they were the sixth seed and hobbled into the playoffs because Lovey Smith wouldn't play his starters in Week 17. So if he knocks the Packers out of the playoffs, they don't have Aaron Rodgers is the Dan Marino of this generation. They don't have a Super Bowl. That is the difference. That one Super Bowl. Because then look at Marvin Lewis, four division titles, seven playoff berths in basically the same tenured time as Mike McCarthy. The only difference between Marvin Lewis and Mike McCarthy is Mike McCarthy accidentally won a Super Bowl and he's had Aaron Rodgers while Marvin Lewis has had Andy Dalton. Yep. And they can't win a playoff game. Yes. So if Mike McCarthy doesn't make the playoffs and isn't fired, I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, Lockout? I'm going with lockout. Yes. <laughs> with lockout 2021. That's Because that's... he's loved by the fan base for no apparent reason and the fan base owns the team. There's, there's definitely some of so, that going on. The new head coach aspect of it has the Broncos and Packers both out of it in my mind. Uh, the Ravens, John Harbaugh's flirted with retirement the ca- past couple of years. So is Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. So if either one of them don't make the playoffs, I think they both would retire rather than stick around for a rebuild. Yeah. Fair. Quite, quite possible. Uh, particularly. Harbaugh. Also, the Ravens were, uh, were up for it this year. They were eligible this season and turned it down. They said, we don't want any part of that. Reggie McKenzie said, no way, not doing it. Yeah, that's not something the Ravens Uh, usually open themselves up for. Then, of course, there's the Cowboys, 
They would love to have America's team back on there. Cowboys have actually already done it twice. Yeah, it's because Jerry Jones is like, look at me, give me attention. Exactly. Yeah. Jerry World wants the attention. Yeah. The issue is, if they don't make the playoffs this year, there's no shot Jason Garrett keeps You say that, but I honestly believe that because he's Jerry Jones' toady, that there's almost zero chance he gets fired. Like, it, the man no. just sucks up to Jerry in such a way that that's his job security. If you've ever watched Rick and Morty, Jason Garrett is basically Jerry from Rick and Morty. That's that guy. Yes. Thank and you, sir. He lives on the sympathy of others. Well, he's not a very good coach, but because he is a company man, it makes him very hard to get rid of. Because and I and Jerry Jones effectively said as much in this op-ed that was written about him on ESPN last year, where he loves Jason because Jason doesn't challenge him on anything. So there is a chance in my mind that it's the Cowboys, but that's not going to be my official prediction. I'm just saying that if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, I don't think Jason Garrett gets fired because he's so good at sucking up to Jerry Jones that Jerry's like, I'm not firing him. He's my boy. He's my man. Yeah, I guess. He went to Stanford. Look how smart he is. He'll figure it out. Like it, and plus, but I don't know. I still, I just don't think it'll be the Cowboys. So then that leaves our eligible teams at uh, Cardinals, Bears, Lions, Colts, Giants, Raiders, Niners, Redskins. Redskins is an iffy one. Yeah, I'd throw that back because I don't think they want the drama. Because there's already the status of Jay Gruden and then all the change over there. I think they get buried. Put Dan Snyder on camera for five minutes, and that and that would be. Well, it's not only that too, but the whole controversy with the name that went on for so long. Yeah. Would you really want to publicize that as the face of the NFL? Yeah, that's probably not. So I think they're kind of out of it. San Francisco again, like the Ravens, was eligible this year, turned it down. They didn't want any part of it. John Lynch publicly said, "No way." So that leaves really six teams, the six teams with new coaches this year. The Cardinals, Bears, Lions, Colts, Giants, and Raiders. Raiders are my slam dunk lock for the 2020 Hard Knocks. There's no way they're making the playoffs this year. Gruden's going to be the coach forever. That'll be their first year in Vegas. New stadium's going to be built. They got Derek Carr, the black hole, moving to Vegas. The, the strip, the drama with all that. We went through all that with the, the move from St. Louis to L.A. a couple years ago. So I guarantee you that the Vegas Raiders are going to be the 2020 hard knocks. So they're not going to do it this year. So then that leaves Giants, Colts, Lions, Bears, Cardinals. And call me a homer, but I'm going Bears. I, I just think they're the most interesting team on this list you got the new coach in Nagy. they're going into the second year of that you got vic fangio who's a character in himself he could be the todd haley of that season absolutely you've got no that guy mitch trubitsky who's kind of a wet blanket i mean he doesn't have much of a personality Tariq cohen might be fun i bet he's fun yeah Tariq cohen jordan howard is an interesting guy you got alan robinson who you just added trey burton who talks a lot you got uh, Kyle Long, Kyle Long has his own video game streaming channel on Twitch that he plays with fans. It's actually pretty popular, weirdly. I did not know what he He loves this being in front of the camera. So, I mean, he would thrive in that environment. Now you got Mac, you got Roquan Smith. I mean, there's so many, and they still have money. They can go out and add some crazy players. 
I, I mean, this I, I just feel like that has the most drama, the most action. It's the third largest market in the country. I think it makes a ton of sense for them to choose the Bears. And I'm not going to dispute that with you too much other than to say that my official prediction is the New York football giants. And it follows yeah, along. Also fair, major media yeah, market. Major media market. It's got a lot of interesting storylines. Eli might be transitioning out at the end of this year. I find it unlikely they'll make the playoffs. I also find it unlikely they're going to fire their coach again. So it's it's an interesting kind of transitional time for them potentially. Plus you get Odell, you got Saquon, you've got Eli Apple. Yeah, Odell. Uh, yep. uh, you've got Odell would carry that season. What's that? Eli Apple gone. Odell would. Oh, oh no, yeah. Odell would carry Odell that season. Odell carries it yeah. for a good chunk of it, but there's other guys too, like Saquon and Eli Apple. Those guys are both big, pretty big. Well, Saquon less so, but Eli's a big personality, and they've got. Normally, they don't focus on corners too much, but they've got uh, some other just depth guys that I think would be good. And then on top of that, you want to talk about human drop machine. New GM starting this year, Dave Gettleman. Man, if you don't know Dave Gettleman, go to Twitter. Because the, the man is just a human soundbite of old, yeah. stodgy white guy. And I just I just have a feeling that that would, would – it's right what they're looking for. Because you've got this taskmaster, disciplinarian, just crazy guy running the whole show. I think they would put a camera in his face. And from his previous career before football in big business, I think he's used to a little bit of friction, hostility, and uh, and just like the camera, I don't think would bother him. So it would be it would be fascinating to watch that guy operate, considering some of the things that fall out of his mouth. Like it is it is unbelievable. His PR people must just be constantly throwing clipboards and headsets down. Like I told him not to say that. Like what? Why am I here? So outraged. Why am I here? I should just go home. Like, he's not listening to me. Like, that's got to be every Giants PR thing that Gettleman's a part of. I could see. I mean, the only thing I would think is if Eli retires at the end of this year and he's not even there next year, I I don't see them going. But that's the thing. I don't. Because then you really have. But then I don't know. Because what what are they going to do? What's the QB class look like? What is is Eli actually going to retire? You know, like, that's the other thing. It's. It's very muddled to me, but I think the Giants are definitely going to be on the big board. Giants and Bears. Those are probably your two that you're going to have the most intrigue around that I think will qualify. Third yeah, choice for me. As much as I love nine mistakes. No, third choice for me is the I Raiders. Think Cardinals is boring. Cardinals is boring. Third choice for me is the Raiders because you put Gruden back on television. No, I'm just telling you, Raiders isn't going to happen because 2020. Yeah, I know because of the move, and I, I heard it's a it's a dunk there, it's a dunk. I was just it's a it's an easy setup and spike. Yeah. So you just wait a year, and I, I get yes. your logic. You you do somebody else. Indy I don't like because Indy's Indy's boring a little bit. Indy's the Jim Irsay show. That's what I don't that think is. They're going to let Jim Irsay in front of the camera. And then uh, the Lions would be interesting just because you got clown boy Matt Patricia. So I don't know. Yeah, he's got a pencil behind his ear, so you know he's a genius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would be interesting. But I'm not interested in that one. No, either, and I, but... again, I, the, the the Colts and the Redskins are the ones that – the R's, excuse me – are the are the two that I'm like – I don't know that they would do that because you've got just wild card people around that – Man, anytime you put any some of these people in front of a camera is going to be somebody's last day at the office. Like it just, it just, it can't exist. So I think you probably steer away from that 
and we start looking at Giants, Bears, and Lions. Lions is a good one. And then Cardinals if you're desperate, if everybody else tells you no. The if you're desperate call. Already, I like yeah. it. Nice. All right, Neil, well, you know, as well as I do, FFE's back for the 2018 season. We uh, we, we just finished our drafts this past weekend. It was a good time. And it is a monster, if you haven't already done it. It is a lot of fun. If you haven't done it, lying. why not? Why not? Drafts takes 10 minutes. You can still mock. You get two free mocks with your team. Get yourself ready for it. Go in there, draft your team, draft your full roster, ready to go. You have to have your roster locked in and drafted 30 minutes before game time. So if you want to compete in week one, you got to get your roster in 30 minutes before kickoff tomorrow night. And you're thinking, ah, I don't have the time, or I'm listening to this after it, or I missed out already. Don't sweat it. You can draft into week four, Neil, into week four. All you have to do to make it into stage two of the global competition, into our lucky whitehead competition, and into the state competition that you would go into, depending on where you are. And frankly, into our hearts. Is draft your team and go four and three. That's it. Just go four wins or more in the first seven weeks of the season. So if you draft by week four, you can win those four games and advance on to stage two, and there you're in it. So join me, join Neil, join our guy Aiden. Shout out to Aiden, we'll get to him in a little bit. Thousands of others play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football with never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver wire antics. You draft your full roster, you set it, and forget it. Ron Propel. You can play as an individual, be the commissioner of your own private league, but why would you do that when you can join the Important Nonsense League? Get some lucky whitehead swag. Come on. It's worth at least $6, this prize. At least 6 <laughs> Minimum. You could be the next FFE $25,000 champion, not to mention every state has their own individual contest where eligible. So maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. You can draft up to week four. Optional auto draft and auto lineup assist to help you. So what are you waiting for? Go to fantasyfootballevolution.com. Join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit the website for details. When you buy your team, make sure you sign up for private competition with marketing partner Important Nonsense to join the Lucky Whitehead competition. All right, Neil, it is the first week of the NFL season. We are back in action, which of course means DFS is back. And new to the show this year, as we have mentioned before, Mr. Aiden Ware. Welcome aboard, Woo! Aiden. Shout out to Aiden. Yeah. At FF Aware. So it is F-F-A-W-A-R-E on Twitter. FF Aware. He is our new DFS guy on ImportantNonsense.com. So twice a week, he will be hitting you up with DraftKings advice for the Sunday plays that you are looking for. Value picks you can make, roster help. So uh, check it out. Up now, live, it is Daily Awareness with Aiden Ware on ImportantNonsense.com. Speaking of articles up on ImportantNonsense.com, we've got In a Vacuum. You want to get sued? In a vacuum. That's right. Welcome in. Every year, I like to do my streaming defense article. 
because like many of you, I am simply allergic to the idea of paying full price for the Jacksonville Jaguars and anything that isn't basically FFE. <laughs> like an FFE, if you want to do it, right. if you want to do it, I understand it's, it's that kind of deal, but in a regular redraft league or even a dynasty league, come on, man. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Exactly. I got to be paying. I got to be. I got to be picking guys that are going to be playing for me, not, not just trying to get a defense that theoretically could be good because they turn over so much year on year. So every year, I go through the entire NFL schedule and I compile what is effectively a handy streaming defense reference guide week by week. So to see the full table. Check out importantnonsense.com. But I'll give you week one right here since it's coming up and we're about to get rolling. This week, I like Pittsburgh and I like Detroit. And some of you might be saying, what kind of wild man wants to deal with that? It's like, well, as much as we've talked about the Cleveland Browns here, it was a team that went 0-16 last year. They've turned over a lot of their roster. They're going to go play a team that historically they do very, very poorly against just in general. So what I think uh, is going to happen is they're going to have some some struggles and just things are going to not necessarily go their way. So I like Pittsburgh uh, as a defense quite a bit in that game. And then uh, Detroit has just this cake matchup. So as bad as the Lions are, I'd say it's worth it. If you didn't get a defense, you could probably get them for a dollar or a late waiver claim. Simple as that. To see the rest. Head on down. That is a living document, by the way. We uh, we change that up uh, throughout the season, and uh, also we do it through the waiver column as well. Which will return next week. Week two, waivers back. Can't wait. But, Neil, let's get into uh, the massive amount of news we have heading into week one. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it! And stats. Nerd! You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Da-da-da-da-da! Hey! Da-da-da-da! Neil, you know what happens when you invest 100% of your fantasy teams into one player? What happens to you? They go down for the year? They go down for the year. They go down for the year. Jarek McKinnon tears his ACL at practice on Saturday. He is done. They've said they are going with the hot hand approach to fill him in, so it is anybody's job for the taking. I told you when I was re-ranking, I basically took the projection for Jarek McKinnon, I shaved a few points off of it, and then I gave 60% of it to Alfred Morris and 40% to Matt Breida. And look, Morris has just been the more dominant between the tackles and outside of the box guy all preseason. He's been in Shanahan's offense, He's he's thrived in that system, and has looked like the better guy, not to mention, as talented as Brita is, he's just had injury issues and trouble staying on the field. So I had uh, Morris as a back-end RB2, high-end flex, into the weekend. Uh, is that 
something you'd agree with going forward that Morris is the guy you'd want, or do you want the upside of Brita? This is one of the tougher ones that we kind of have to do at the moment. You know what I mean? Because you're kind of operating on – with Alfred Morris, you're operating a little bit on what you've seen in the past, and so you get a little bit of a sample size, but it's kind of a mixed bag. For the record, I have Morris at RB27, so to the flex part of that, yeah, I'm uh, I'm okay if that's if that's how you wanted to go. Uh, Brita, I'm really yeah, I had him at 28, so I was worried about the durability yeah. of Brita. Not the talent, very talented uh, guy, but I think I still want Morris because I've seen Morris put together more or less full seasons. And Brita, over his limited sample size, has kind of proven to be kind of brittle. Meanwhile, Dante Foreman put on the pup list to start the year. It means he won't play the first six weeks of the season. I bring it up because he was a sexy late-round flyer slash handcuff, but currently not worth a roster spot unless you play in with an IR slot, which is always a good idea. I always recommend that to people. Uh, my boy Blue, Alfred Blue. He is the handcuff you want to Lamar Miller. And again, normally I'm not a big handcuff guy, but he is a proven now, commodity. See, In the past, you have seen the historical love that you have for Alfred Blue. And we don't have time to go down that. <laughs> no, look, uh, Lamar Miller, when he has missed time in the past, or even before him, when Arian Foster had missed time, and Alfred Blue has filled in and gotten the bulk of the workload, he has been serviceable as a low end, uh, RB1 high-end 2. So he is certainly capable of stepping in in the right scenario and right situation to uh, to take over. So handcuff for sure to Lamar Miller, at least until Foreman gets back, and then it is definitely his role. Yeah, to I'm, not, I'm not trying to mess with I'm, I'm just trying to jab at you a little bit. Alfred Blue, absolutely a legit handcuff to the extent that that even exists in fantasy football anymore. So high praise. Meanwhile, Marlon Mack's status is in doubt for at least week one. He is trending the wrong way with his hamstring injury. Jordan Wilkins will be the starter this week. Certainly worth the add whether you own Mack or not, though. He has the pure talent between the tackles to take the job from Mack if he can't get back on the field. There's a reason he was a draft pick. He looks good. Meanwhile, uh, Chris Carson officially listed as the starter for the Seahawks. Rashad Penny is also expected to play. Eventually, they will give Penny a shot at the main role, but as we have talked about, he is just a stash for the early part of the season. If you were paying for him as a starter, you clearly overpaid. We've been telling you this for weeks, because Penny appears to be on the Eddie Lacy uh, health plan of, (laughs) yeah, gain weight and get slower and hurt yourself. Meanwhile, Ronald Jones listed as the third running back in Tampa He's had a terrible preseason, so he clearly needs to prove himself. This isn't much of a surprise. Again, same thing that we were talking about with Penny. We've mentioned this several times before. He's got a great skill set. He'll certainly get a chance as the season goes to have a run at the number one spot. But he's nothing more than a stash. So if you added him to be a legitimate starter or flex for you, you overpaid and you are looking for someone else at this point in time. We also told you this all two weeks ago, and again, going into draft weekend. Fun fact, spin the wheel. He's third on the depth chart. Who's two? We had to look it up, so I already know. I cheated. I know. The answer is Jaquiz Rogers. That's right. The quiz show. The quiz show. A man who will not be denied. Dirt Cutter's boyfriend 
is still on that roster, surprising everyone. No, I don't want to try Jaquiz Rogers again, by the way, fantasy people. Uh, what I'm telling you is, is that you really don't want anything in Tampa Bay right now. Meanwhile, Adrian Peterson officially listed as the starting back in Washington. Again, not a surprise, just confirming what we thought would happen. He's a low-end flex play with RB2 upside if he can get the appropriate matchup. Never been a big fan of the Washington run game, but if he's given a bulk of the workload and the goal line stuff, Adrian Peterson is certainly worth the play if you are desperate. We'll be talking about Adrian Peterson in some articles I'm going to write later. I like Adrian Peterson as a guy that if I can get him late in a draft, which I've been able to do successfully several times, uh, I like him for the early part of the season, and then I'm looking to trade him. Meanwhile, going off the notes, one I wanted to make mention of and I forgot to put on here, the Saints cut Boston Scott, and the reason that that is relevant is because over the uh, weekend, they also signed Mike Gillis. So they cut Terrence West. I like Boston Scott. (laughs) (laughs) They cut Terrence West, and they cut Jonathan Williams because they like Boston Scott so much to be the only backup to Alvin Kamara. Then they saw Gillisley was available, and they cut Boston Scott. That's how highly they thought of Mike Gillisley. Now, a lot of people may be remembering Mike Gillisley from last year with the Patriots as he's just the big fat guy who took over you know, the Garrett Blunt role, right? That. Yeah, they don't remember just how falling he into got the end zone. Yeah. The reason he was there in the first place is because two years ago, he was the backup slash handcuff to LaShawn McCoy, and he kept just running in 25-yard touchdowns for no reason. He would get a random handoff, to spell McCoy and end up in the end zone. LaShawn McCoy owners hated him because he kept vulturing all of his scores, but he was a viable play. He's got a good skill set. He didn't fit physically into the LeGarrette Blunt role. No, he's not. Which is quite, why it was so surprising to me that they tried to force yeah, him into it. He's not quite big enough to be the battering ram, and that's part of why he got hurt. So that's not entirely his fault. They needed a bigger guy. So his addition in New Orleans is actually super interesting to me. I have a couple shares of Mike Gillisley in other leagues just as a bench spot as a flyer. Because for these first four weeks, they're not going to give the entire workload to Kamara. They can't. They need him for the whole year. They can't. No, it's also... They have to give Gillisley some work. I've been saying this... And he's proven that he can provide something. Yes, absolutely. No, so this is where we get into the situation where all of a sudden Mike Gillisley is kind of the handcuff to Alvin Kamara. And it's almost somebody that I think you need to kind of go out and look at and just throw out the recency bias. Because I've been saying this since he was at Tennessee. I don't think you can give Alvin Kamara the whole job. He's just not that guy. He's not that big. At some point, he's very speedy and shifty. But if you have to give him 30 touches a game, I start to have concerns about, are you not just going to get him killed at some point? Like, you, you want to give him the ball because he's so talented, but there's a reason why even in college he never had the whole job and he shared it with Kelly, who is now off onto his own NFL career. So definitely something to take note of, and I'd consider rostering him as a uh, as a back-end kind of guy, especially if I own Kamara. Meanwhile... Wrapping the Dolphins all into one, confirming what we reported last week, Drake and Gore both listed as co-starters on the initial depth chart. Drake, nothing more than a flex consideration. Gore, just a vulture. Quote from Gase, because bleep you was his rationale, so I love it. (laughs) 
Devontae Parker will miss the first game of the season for the Dolphins. His status for Week 2 also in question. Out the first two games of the year, is there any wide receiver you're moving up or one as a streamer with him being down? I don't. Not really. I mean, again, we talked about this. It's going to be Albert Wilson or Amendola, and they might become waiver wire ads, but I'm not drafting yeah. either one of them. All right, so now we're on to the biggest story of the week, obviously, is the saga of Le'Veon Bell and how this is so it has just devolved so quickly here. Like sands through the hourglass. So for glass. those that don't realize, <laughs> he wouldn't sign his uh, a franchise tag tender just like last year. And everyone just assumed, because he said so, that they were going to treat it just like it was last year. And he was going to come back uh, at the beginning of the regular season and play it out and get his money and then be done. So today, his agent, uh, Adisi Bakari, he talked with Brady Quinn and Bruce Murray on the Sirius XM Bliss. What is your plan moving forward then? Because you can't work out a long-term deal. And if, if he's not going to be there for each of the 16 games this season, there, there's going to be money that's left on the table. So what is the plan moving forward for Le'Veon Bell? I'll answer that question with a question. You're Kevin Colbert. You're Mike Tomlin. And you possibly have a once-in-a-generation player for one more season. What would your plan be? I would use them use as much as possible to make sure that we have the best possible chance of, of winning that Super Bowl. And obviously him okay. touching the football, running and catching is big. But that doesn't answer the question of what you guys are, what's your plan moving forward? Oh, I mean, I think if, you know, you can read in between those lines. Right. Is this for the entire season, though, or just up until week 10? When we find out. I think Mike Tomlin said it best yesterday. He'll get there when he's there, and, and we'll address those issues when he arrives. So, so just, and, and Adisa, I want to kind of sum up because we're going to run out of time in a minute, but it sounds like you're saying in an effort to protect himself for real free agency, he's going to limit the time with the Steelers. You said, I'll ask you a question with a question, so we'll read between the lines. You joined us over the summer. You know, with all due respect, Adisa, my question to you was, will the plan be the same? And you, your response was, barring something unexceptional, yes. This is a different plan, is it not? Well, and there you go. We had something exceptional to occur. So there you go. Audio courtesy of SiriusXM NFL. Thank you, SiriusXM. Again, I, we appreciate it. All, all, all indications here, as they said, you heard Brady Quinn bring up week 10. With the franchise tag is you can hold out and sit out through week 10. If you sit out anything beyond that, it null and voids your contract for the season. So you make nothing. Yep. So you have to report by week 10 or your contract is just over which is what they're referring to. Now, this is similar to Dwayne Brown last year, the tackle with the Texans, who ultimately did not want to report and in week eight got traded to the Seahawks for a future pick, and the Seahawks ultimately in the offseason signed him to a mega deal. To me, with this lengthy holdout, they've already basically said he's not coming in for week one. We don't know that for sure. As of recording this, there's no confirmation of that. But you heard it there. If you're him, it makes sense, right? We talked about that. You talked about the the rental car. Oh, he's he he uh he didn't steal my exact analogy, so we're good. <laughs> but that is exactly what he was saying. Exactly that they were just gonna run him into the ground. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? It's like the, the for us, with the baseball, Cubs with the Roldis Chapman. You knew you weren't going to pay him, so you threw him out there every single day and tried to blow his arm out to get as much out of him as you could. Yeah, I mean, 
It's the same thing. You were just going to run Le'Veon Bell into the ground, and he's saying, well, I don't have to show up until week 10, so I won't, and then I'll show up, I'll make my money, I'll work for you for six more weeks, and then be done Possibly with it. Possibly 10 so that you so can't go to the playoffs run me or something out. like that, which they probably right. will, given the division. But, the, yeah, that's basically what it sounded like to me, was, hey, I don't have to show up. I don't have to take that abuse. Uh, and I, the other way to put that, I guess, you is the argument that you and I have been having offline for two years, which is basically 825 or 85. I don't remember the exact second number there, but it's it's uh, it's over $800,000 that he's foregoing per game, per week. He's yeah. foregoing 800 by not showing up. But I think in the long run, what's finally – when push came to shove, I think what seems to have happened is <laughs> he's saying, well, I don't really care about $800,000 uh, per game, which whatever that totals out to, when I've got forty to $50 million guaranteed that I want on the hook. Yeah, if he were to year, sit out the first 10 weeks, he'd be walking away from basically $8.2 million. Yeah, and I think the argument has finally come down to – do I walk away from $8 million to try and make $40 million? And it seems like right. that's the bet that is starting to happen. So my question to you is, do you think he sits out the entire season? I think you have a different view on that. But some people have been saying, does he, do you just sit out the whole year then and just and just bank on the idea that next year? Well, my you'll... like I said, I brought up the Dwayne Brown yeah. thing for a reason because that's, that's... literally the best comp I can have yeah. is – now, not only has he basically said, I'm not interested in playing for you until I absolutely have to, his teammates have come out and said, we don't need you then. Well, and, and there's, I sort of understand there's a view, ton of contention in the locker room. People's teammates Everybody's trash pissed. a guy that is on their team yeah. in the NFL. That, doesn't, that normally doesn't happen. Exactly. That's odd. So, I mean, there, there's, there's fighting on the inside there. The locker room is broken apart like it never has been before in Pittsburgh. So... At this point, he's the clubhouse cancer that you've got to get rid of. So realistically, the the only option is to move him. And we were talking about you can trade like you're not going to trade him for a, a huge haul like the Khalil Mack deal, but you'll trade him for something. And you and if you're the Steelers, this actually works out for you because you dictate where he goes. You get to decide where he's going to end up. It isn't. That you just let him go to free agency and then he signs in Baltimore. You can say, here, we want you know a first-round pick, second-round pick, whatever, for Le'Veon Bell and his contract, and you can deal with it so we don't have well, to. Well, I think fundamentally you take and then, like the Yeah, and then at the, a certain say point, the, I, you'll take I don't even know who, like the Bucks or whatever. To get him out the door and just to not have the headache anymore. So if teams wait, which I think will be the strategy, you wait until about week like eight or so, kind of like the Dwayne Brown thing. When you finally have come to the conclusion that, well, I don't think he's going to show up at all, and we've got to get this out from over our head, so I'll take whatever somebody wants to offer, and I'm, you know, maybe I don't get that first round pick that I could have gotten, but I get something, and I just get to move on. Yeah, exactly. He he would be out the door, and then you would, uh, he would start somewhere new. You would decide where he goes. You would probably trade him outside the AFC. So you'd see him once every four years or in the Super Bowl, yeah. which would be great. Which would be amazing. Great Super Bowl storyline. But, yeah, you get to dictate wherever it is he goes. 
and, and then he signs somewhere long term because no one is going to make the trade for him unless they know for sure he's going to sign long term. So I mean that I I just think that's the only way this ends at this point. How do you come back to that team? How do you no, get in you the don't. huddle with no, those no, no. guys? No, 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 I don't think you do. I think that's why I was saying I think it's either you. I feel like you either sit out or you get traded. And traded is, is a good call by you. I mean, the fantasy impact is James Conner becomes the guy now. In the preseason, he was PFF's number one graded running back. So, I mean, he's shown flashes in the past, and even this year, he looks ready to go. I mean, is he the heir apparent? That is the question. I think it's part of the reason they don't want to pay him all that money is because Pittsburgh is like a systems thing. And they're like, well, I can get anybody to be to look that yeah, good because the rest up, of my team right. is designed that way. I think that's why they hesitate in the injuries. So, and then the other question is, if Connor comes out and is playing really well, is that then persuading Le'Veon Bell to come back to try to say, well, no, never mind, I need to be here because he's making me look, you know, unnecessary? Maybe, but again, that's a... But yeah, I think we already established that it's really just, it's it's trader out the year at this point. I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I think, and then for think, me, a guy that's not on a lot of people's radars is Jalen Samuels. Sure, uh, he's, why wouldn't he be? Depending on the format, uh, I know in ESPN he's listed as a running back. In Yahoo, he's listed as running back or a tight end. Oh, good for you. Uh, so he's he's split one way or the other. If you you can get him if you're still drafting super late in drafts, although now maybe not. I don't probably know. still pretty low. Um, it's only been like a day. So but the certainly worth the waiver ad, because if you've not seen him play at NC State, as we talked about when we went through the Steelers uh, position players, never thinking it would get this far. Yeah, right. But when we talked about the Steelers, this was a an oh by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this was a throw-in. Jalen Samuels is a monster pass catcher. Yes. So he's got the build, the frame to be a tight end and play the outside, and does line up in the slot but also can go in the backfield and tote the ball. He's a lot like Ty Montgomery yes, in that regard. Versatile. He can play multiple positions, he's, and that's he's why he's built like a on. pass catcher, but he's uh, but he plays the running back position really well. So he's going to be – I mean, Connor is going to get the bulk of the workload for sure, but I think Samuels is going to sneaky have a sneaky role here as the third down guy, the pass catcher out of the backfield. That always has a role in PPR – and I think a lot of people are going all out and spending all this fab budget and money to get Connor. And Samuels might be a guy you can get on the cheap without people noticing a lot that uh, that you can it's add. It's sort of like Jerick McKinnon from uh, last year. Is worth it's the that stat guy that everybody least. was like, I'll throw a dollar. And then he's an RB2 for the season. And it just and it just works out that way. Because in PPR, like you're saying, you, I mean, it just adds up. If he catches five balls for 50 yards, he gets a 10. And if he falls into the end zone, he gets a 16, and that's a flex. Yep. So it's like all of a sudden, what are we talking about here really? Great cash, homie. Exactly. And I do I do not, by the way, completely disagree with the idea of spending part of my – or a, if I own Le'Veon Bell, a decent chunk of some fab or oh, highway for sure. on Connor because you need a Le'Veon, guy. absolutely. You need a guy. So I'd say go. Like if you if you're just taking a shot on somebody and you don't own Le'Veon, I don't know how much of my fab I actually want to spend. Yeah, yeah, that I get. Because we don't know what it is when it's when it when you own Le'Veon, you have to. Yeah, if you own Le'Veon, you're you're committed. Go spend the money. If you don't own Le'Veon, feel free if you're weak at running back, especially because you'll snipe somebody, and I guarantee you, you can trade him. So you can probably get something on the trade market 
uh, pretty immediately for Connor, especially before he even takes a snap. He might actually be <laughs> that's a weird one because he might actually be at the peak of his value or uh, the absolute low point. So it's kind of a, you're kind of playing with fire, but it's it's definitely something I would do. I don't know how much I want to commit to it, though. If I own him, I'm I'm pushing my chips because you, you're out of options. Yep. You have to. Yeah. It's a it's a lot like the Zeke situation from last year. Yeah. We're we're gonna have to monitor this every week, so it'll be uh it'll be very interesting. But there you go, week one in the books. Week Woo! two, next week we'll have waivers, we'll have more DFS to talk about, more articles and stuff. So uh, again, at nonsense underscore Steve. Post your questions on the Fantasy Life app. We take questions. There you go. And if the questions are good enough, they might just make it. Uh, on the show. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. And nonsense underscore Neil. The aforementioned Fantasy Life app is at Important Nonsense. Check out at FF Aware for your DFS stuff. Shout out to Aiden again. Uh, Aiden's article up now. Neil's article up now. Aiden's second article up on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that at importantnonsense.com. And until next week, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcasts provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.